But the only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning. What did you say? A bolt of lightning. Well, hey there, guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Throwback Thursday. This is the one and only show where we go back in time and we review a movie as if we had seen it for the very first time. And on this week's episode of Throwback Thursday, we are reviewing uh, the... We are continuing our Star Wars movie reviews with a very highly anticipated review. There is going to be no, no, but no fighting, no division when I review the following movie, and that is, of course, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. There's going to be no division whatsoever. No hate, me- no hate messages on Twitter or Instagram after reviewing Star Wars: The Force Awakens. This is the beginning of the sequel trilogy, um, and yeah, so Star Wars The Force Awakens, directed by the wonderful J.J. Abrams, written by J.J. Abrams, Michael Arndt, and Lawrence Kasdan. The film stars Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Dom Hall Gleason, Adam Driver, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Lupita Nyong'o, and Andy Serkis. Uh, As a new threat to the galaxy rises, Rey, a desert scavenger, and Finn, an ex-stormtrooper, must join Han Solo and Chewbacca to search for the one hope of restoring peace. So, uh, yeah. This is our next review. This is what we're doing next, and... Oh, I'm I'm not looking forward to this, especially since I'm kind of going to be the lone wolf when it comes to the sequel trilogy. And uh, you guys are a lot of a lot. I know there are a lot of people who don't. Now let me get this out of the way first. Let me get this out of the way. Okay. I understand. Not everybody likes the sequel trilogy. I get it. And if you don't like the sequel trilogy. That's great. I don't want to tell you what you can or cannot like as an individual. However, please, when I review the sequel trilogy, just know that I am just giving my opinion. We are not here to fight. I am not here to tell you that you have to believe in the same thing I believe in. I am not here to tell you to shut up or you're stupid for believing in what you're believing in. If you don't like The Force Awakens or the next film we're going to talk about, all due respect, hey, guess what? I don't like Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. We're going to find that out real quick. But when I I talk about either The Force Awakens or or The Last Jedi, please know I am not telling you that your opinion is wrong. I am just giving my ver- my opinion on each of the films. So please, let's be civil about this and let's have a let's have some good conversations about Star Wars. Please and thank you. Okay, now that we've gotten the disclaimer out of the way, let's not waste any more time guys and let's get right into it. Let's take the DeLorean back to December of 2015 and let's discuss it. Let's break it down. Let's talk about Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. So, let's get right into it. Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, did indeed come out in December of 2015. Now, let me share with you a little bit because I vivid, I remember getting on my YouTube channel and giving you guys my opinion on Star Wars The Force Awakens. And I remember giving it a perfect score of a 10 out of 10. 
I said it was my favorite Star Wars movie, and I stood by it. I stood by that opinion. Now, having said that, obviously, uh, my opinion on that has changed. My favorite Star Wars movie is obviously The Empire Strikes Back. But Star Wars The Force Awakens um, is the very is the first Star Wars movie I at least I can remember seeing in theaters. You know, um, and I indeed loved it back then. And my opinion, I don't love it the same way I used to back then. Um, I like the movie. I like Star Wars The Force Awakens. I think it's a very good movie. Um, I just think, unfortunately, some of the writing choices for me, some of the writing choices for me really stood out in on this viewing, especially on this, on this viewing. Certain things that I personally feel like um, JJ chose to rely so much on nostalgia and rather than um, telling a really uh, coherent uh, story. And telling a story that, that stands on its own. You know, that's... that's And um, unfortunately, I personally don't feel like J.J. Uh, did that with this, uh, with this, with this installment. Um, so let's get into it. Let's go ahead and break down the film. What we we start off with a really great opening crawl. I gotta say, the opening crawl is really great. It gets you right into the film, um, informing us that Luke Skywalker has disappeared, um, and uh, that the First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire, um, and that uh and that Le- and that general leia leads her is leading a resistance against this first order and then we get and then we get to the crawl and right away we we right away we get our we get our issues pretty early on and that is that once again there is a empire and a rebellion the first order is essentially the empire and the resistance is obviously the rebellion. Now, <laughs> here's the here's the problem. Here's 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 the problem. Okay, I don't like this idea. I just don't, because again, it just feels like we're copying off of the original trilogy. We are copying off of what made that original trilogy great rather than trying to establish our own ideas. First of all, here's my problem with the First Order. The First Order really isn't an established government, you know, because they acknowledge later on in the film, like General Huck says something about like how the New Republic is supporting Leia Organa and her resistance. Really? Okay, so in that case, what is the resistance? Resisting, like what the fuck are they resisting against? You know, if they're if they are supported by the new the new republic, why are what what is it that they're resisting? Like the rebellion, it made sense. The rebel alliance was formed because they saw Palpatine as a a a, a dictator. They saw him as essentially. An evil, an evil man, and they saw this idea of an empire as very, very bad for for the for the for 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 for, for, for keeping peace amongst all the all the systems. So it made sense. Our rebellion is rebelling against. That form of leadership. Because we don't like this guy. He's got to get taken down. You know. This makes no damn sense. You have 
a first order, which first of all, the first order isn't even isn't even doesn't even control the government because they they still have a new republic. It's not like you know, it's not like you know, Snoke is like the leader of this of this new republic. And <laughs> and it boggles my mind that it's just like, oh yeah, oh, and we'll work. And then Huck says later on, oh yeah, we'll we'll destroy the the uh, the government that supports the resistance. The we'll destroy the republic because they they support our our enemy. I'm like, wait, then why? Then what are they? Then who are they resisting? This. And then what? Then what kind of power? What kind of a what kind of power does the first order have? in this system it just makes no sense when like when you really think hard about it it doesn't make sense now i've now i i'm sure jj jj abrams can come to me and try to break it down to make it just it's still when you really break it down it still makes no sense maybe if like the first order like like here's how i would have done it okay you make the first order because the when when Lucas created um, the 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 Empire and the stormtroopers and all that, they were supposed to be a representation of the not uh, of, of 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 Nazi of the Nazis. You know that's who they were supposed. They were a representation of that evil. You know, Palpatine was essentially Hitler, and these stormtroopers were essentially the Nazi soldiers. Well, if you can, if you, it, you know, you can't, and you can't just do that again because, first of all, we, we, you know, we've, we've, we've seen small little factions of what the, of what quote unquote Nazis have become, but for the most part, that whole ideology, the, the hate, even though the hatred is still there. There is no government that runs with that same. There, like, there's no government out there that relies on that same uh, ideologies. That would be, and that's essentially what Episode Seven is trying to tell us. Episode Seven is essentially trying to tell us, oh yeah, this is like what would happen if this is like what would happen if the Nazis formed back into and became a stronghold of the government. But that's not, that's, that's not even close to how, to what it's like. The way I would have done this is I would have made the first order almost like a small little group of Imperial loyalists plus Kylo Ren and his knights and his knights of Ren are almost like a small little, um, Almost like a, a, a terrorist, a, a group of terrorists. You know, they don't want to. They don't really want to take control over the governments. No, 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 no. They just want to. They're essentially like you know, you know what, you know what's a better example. They're more like anarchists. They're, they, they very much have a similar philosophy to like um, Zahir in in Legend of Korra, in the sense that they don't want to really control the governments. They just want to cause chaos throughout the galaxy and spread dark side knowledge across the galaxy. Make them more like that rather than having, oh, this is just our new empire. Why? That's lazy. That's just lazy storytelling. You know? And then even like, you know, later on you have you have Kylo Ren with with the First Order show up to this village on Jakku and like, eh, just kill all the villagers. If they were, and you see all these stormtroopers like burning down houses and all that stuff. If you portrayed them almost like a, like a bunch of, like a group of little anarchists, then that probably would have made a lot more sense than to just have them be a freaking another empire. It's just lazy storytelling. It's lazy storytelling at the highest level. So anyway, enough of that whole nonsense. Let's move forward. Um, it's nice to see that Max von Sydow was wasted. It, it's nice to see that 
an actor of his caliber is just completely wasted in the first five minutes. You know, he shows up and basically is there, and his first line of dialogue is, this will begin to make things right. Will it, though? Will it? <laughs> will it, though? Because, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Star Wars fans are still fighting over over what, what trilogy is better. <laughs> like, seriously, it's just like, it's like, I get what J.J. was trying to do. The goal with Episode Seven was to try and get people back into Star Wars because you had a whole group of people who hated what George Lucas did with the prequels. So they had to bring all that audience back who fell off of Star Wars because of the prequels, and they had to bring all of them back. I get it. I understand it. But there is a difference between... You know, but if you were going to bring the Star Wars fan base back into Star Wars, wouldn't you want to do it by telling an original story and not ripping off of A New Hope? Now, look, I know I said I like the movie, and, and I do like the movie, and I'm, I'm going to get into um, my positives with the movie as we, as we break down the film. But I have. But if I if I don't like something in the movie, I'm gonna point it out, because there's a lot of things watching it this the second time around that really bothered me. Especially now that we have the now that the sequel trilogy has come and gone, and we have seven, eight, and nine. You know, I can now look at it as as an overall trilogy. And how does this tie into the next couple movies? And the way this movie sets up everything, a lot of the stuff that this movie sets up, a lot of it doesn't get paid off. I mean, some of it gets paid off. I mean, I personally believe some of it gets paid off in eight, but then it's all completely retconned once we get into nine. So, but but anyway, anyway, I get what JJ was trying to do, but I feel like the way he was trying to do it, you know, I always say, you know, Mandalorian is is the best kind of is that that show and then andor are two of the best pieces of star wars content disney plus has ever that disney has ever put out since they've bought star wars and the reason why is because they were not focusing on basically recreating star wars they wanted to add to the mythology add to the lore add to the legacy that is star wars rather than hey you remember hey you know what people like? People really like Empire Strikes Back. People really like Star Wars: A New Hope. So let's just make, remake Star Wars: A New Hope in the in the first movie. Let's just remake Star Wars: A New Hope. Let's have BB-8 carry "quote unquote" the plans to the Death Star, aka the map to Luke Skywalker. Let's just have him. Let's just have him hold that and have the the Empire. I mean, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The First Order can be after the droid. It's beat for beat for beat for beat similar. And I know some people will make the argument, oh, what about Creed? Creed was essentially the same movie. Yeah, but Creed did enough, you know, and and I under and people make that comparison because they both came out the same year. When Creed came out, Creed yes, was it telling a similar story to the first Rocky film? Yeah. But you also had this element of a a guy who who grew up without a dad. You also had you have this whole concept of Rocky uh, uh, getting cancer and how he doesn't want to take the treatment, but yet it's this kid, this kid who motivates him, who says, okay, well, if I fight, you got to fight. You know, you have a bunch of new elements thrown in there that does, that are, that are placed in the film that so that you don't feel like you're watching the same movie it's it feels new and original whereas with star wars you're distracted beat for beat for beat oh my god this story is just like a new hope bba is essentially r2 and 3po you know ray is essentially luke finn is essentially you know whatever you know and 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 Poe is supposed to be like the Han Solo, you know. It's like it's just it it. <laughs> by the time you get through the first like twenty or thirty minutes of the film, you're already like, 
oh my gosh, I feel like I I can just go, I can just turn this off right now and watch A New Hope, and I can just watch it done better. But then we meet Finn, we get Finn's introduction, and I love, I love Finn's introduction because first of all, when when his uh his when when one when one of the stormtroopers dies, and he he like wipes the blood on on Finn's mask. And all of a sudden, Finn starts like panicking. Just it it gives us a whole new side to the stormtroopers and makes them feel more human, you know. Um, so I love that. Uh, I love I love when he refuses to shoot the villagers, and I and <laughs> Finn in general was a character that I was really looking forward to see how they would set him up. You know, because with episode seven and then he, when we get into episode eight, it seemed like they were setting him up to be almost like a revolutionary leader. Like he's the first stormtrooper to kind of fall out. And then he inspires like I thought he was going to kind of be like this this rogue uh, stormtrooper that was going to inspire a whole group of stormtroopers to just fall away, fall away from the first order. And the first order was going to have to rely on um, on dark side loyalists to join their their army, and I thought I thought that was going to be what his arc was going to be. And I know JJ kind of wanted to do this whole oh yeah no he's force sensitive. I know J I know JJ wanted to do that. I thought that was I'm not gonna lie. I always thought that was stupid. I've always thought the idea of Finn being for a force user was just stupid. It was stupid beyond. It, it it just it was I just didn't like that idea. I really didn't. So um Kylo Ren looks pretty cool. I love his lightsaber. Um <laughs> I love when he first shows up to the to uh when he when he first interacts with um with Poe and I love when when uh when <laughs> when Poe's like So who talks first? You talk first, I talk first, and he's like, The old man gave it to you and he goes it's just hard to understand you with the, <laughs> yeah. um, I love, I love that, you know, and I, and I love later on when he, when he goes to interrogate Poe, it's really, it's a really great moment where he's, where, um, where he starts basically looking into Poe's mind, you know, um, I love the introduction to Ray. I think I think Ray's introduction is pretty cool. And I love her theme. Her theme, I played a little bit of it before we got into the review. Her theme is probably the best thing to come out of the sequel trilogy. I love the dun 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 like it, it it literally is one of my favorite themes in all of Star Wars. Like literally, I'm no now I will say the music overall in The Force Awakens is really not as great as it becomes like in episode eight, like, like episode eight is easily my favorite score from John Williams. And we'll, and we'll get into it. Cause I think the score in episode eight is just great. Um, I love, I love Ray meeting BB eight and I love the kind of like the relationship that forms between Ray and BB eight. I think it's a, I think it's kind of an adorable relationship. I, I like, I like, there's this moment where, um, where uh, BB-8 just wants to come with her, and she's like, "No, you can't come with me." And all of a sudden, she turns back and sees BB-8's like head is down, and then she just does this like eye roll. She does this eye roll, and is like, "All right, come on, let you can come." You know, it's like it's 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 such a fun, it's it's a fun little moment. Um, and I will say, the filmmaking on display is great. I, the, the story is has some problems and it feels the story feels lazy at times but the acting the action the cinematography it all feels great just the directing alone makes you feel like okay this this isn't 
the worst movie I've seen of all time. You know, it's like the story could use some improvement, yes, but the filmmaking on display is gorgeous. The cinematography, it just it just all looks so so beautiful. Even in even in Last Jedi, despite all your issues with Last Jedi, you can't deny that in the Last Jedi there are some gorgeous uh, there's a lot of really gorgeous cinematography in that film, and we'll get into that when we talk about the Last Jedi. Um, um, I love, <laughs> I do like it when Pin, when Finn goes to rescue Poe. Uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite, mo- one of my other fun- favorite funny lines is when Finn is like, when Poe goes, "Wait, why are you helping me?" and he and he goes, and Finn goes, "Because it's the right thing to do," and he's like. You need a pilot. And he goes, I need a pilot. <laughs> I just think it's so great. It's so good. Um and uh let's talk about let's talk about General Hux real quick. Let's 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 make this real quick. I don't like this character. I've never liked this character. Um I don't like this care I didn't like this character from the moment he was introduced. Even when I first saw the movie, I remember thinking Okay, he should probably die at the end of this movie. And he doesn't die. And then I was like, oh, so he's going to be a recurring character. Okay. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> because they already had two really intimidating characters. You had Kylo Ren and you had Captain Phasma, who were two really intimidating-looking characters. You didn't need this... This general, this wannabe Grand Moff Tarkin, like he's so and and and, and he's portrayed, and especially when we get into eight and nine, he's portrayed like such a cartoon character, you know. Like General Hux is the definition of, at least in this film, the mustache twirling villain. The See, I can I can do the whole mustache twirling because I actually do have a mustache. I can I can just do it. <laughs> that that actually surprises me. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, I hate General Hux. He's he's one of my he is definitely the in my opinion the worst character in the sequel trilogy by far the worst character, uh, in the sequel trilogy. And we'll get into that when we get into like eight and nine because oh boy, what they do with him in eight and nine, yikes, um. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I, as, as much as I like Oscar Isaac, as much as I like Oscar Isaac, Poe should have died in this film for a couple reasons. One, Poe's death would have given so much more meaning to Finn's arc as a character. If they wanted to explore the idea of him being like this, almost like this revolutionary leader, like I kind of just described earlier, Poe dying should have been the motivation for 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 him doing the things that he's doing, you know, like like maybe like maybe when he goes to rescue Ray, he's like, you know what, this is what Poe would have done, and he like maybe goes and rescues Ray because that's like that was his motivation, you know. And then Poe and 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 originally Poe was supposed to die, like I, that's actually one of the <laughs> that was the original idea. Poe was actually supposed to die. In that moment, but when Oscar Isaac read the script, he wanted him to change it because he didn't want to play another character that just dies. And that just and that right there shows you what the main problem with this whole trilogy is: is the fact that because they didn't have a plan, because they didn't have a plan for for seven, eight, and nine, they didn't have a treatment, they didn't have an idea for what they wanted to do. Uh, okay, we're gonna do this and this and this, uh, and we're gonna go from point A to point B. Because they didn't have that, it was like, oh, okay, we'll just we'll just make things up as we go. And then all of a sudden, like and and Oscar Isaac having that that request kind of is one of the many things that proves to you that there was just no plan. So yeah, but I'll be honest, I'm one of those people who believes that Poe should, plus also you can tell after episode seven that they didn't really know what to do with Poe after episode seven. And, you know, God, I love Ryan Johnson. I, I think he's a fantastic writer and a, fa- a fantastic director. But even Ryan Johnson, you can tell, had no idea what to do with Poe because he put he, he gives them this, 
ridiculous subplot in eight, which we'll get into later, but it's just like, you can even tell that even a great writer like Ryan Johnson didn't even know what to do with this character. Um, and, and I will say this, um, the humor, the humor by John Boyega, specifically his interactions with BB-8 is perfect. It is the perfect type of humor you would want in a Star Wars film. Like that moment where, <laughs> where, uh, Ray knocks him down and all of a sudden BB-8 shocks him and he's like, Hey, what? And then all of a sudden he's, he's like, Okay, I have had a pretty messed up day. I did not steal this thing. And all of a sudden he BB8 zaps him again. He's like, ow, stop that stop doing that. <laughs> like, it's so great. But even I, I even love it later on when they're on the Falcon. And uh she's and he goes, he goes, um, you know, yeah, the the Alenium says, yeah, get get us there as fast as you can. And then he gives BB8 a thumbs up. All of a sudden, BB8 like puts the lighter out as a like li- lights the uh, the lighter as a way of giving him like a thumbs up it's great <laughs> it's great like the like the humor is really fun like especially when it's coming from Finn and BB-8 like that's great and we're going to talk about it later but my my favorite my favorite joke in the movie actually comes from <laughs> um Boyega um and his inter- it's a particular interaction he has with Han Solo but we'll get into that in a little bit later. Um, Finn meeting Ray is kind of cute. It's a cute little moment. The introduction of the Millennium Falcon. It's a great. It's a good introduction. However, it works so much better when you're watching it with a crowd um, for the first time, because you know when you're watching it with a crowd for the very first time, you have Ray. You know, we have, we have Finn. Why don't we take that one? And Finn's like, that ship's garbage. And then all of a sudden, the 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 ship in front of him blows up. Like, okay, the garbage will do. And it the camera pans over, and it's the Millennium Falcon. And as soon as that camera pans over, and you see it's the Millennium Falcon, the audience in the theater goes nuts. That was obviously made for a thea- for an for a theater reaction. Because when you're watching it in the film. It it's it's a good introduction, but it's like okay, okay, you know, um, and and I will say this: people want to complain about you know, and this goes to the whole idea of like a lot of people complain that oh, Ray's a Mary Sue. If you want to give me that argument that Ray's a Mary Sue, then you haven't watched the movie, or at least you you haven't really thoroughly analyzed the movie. Because when we get into Ray flying the ship, here's why her being able to pilot a ship doesn't bother me. Because number number one, we do see her struggle to pilot the Falcon by herself. Because there's even a moment where she's trying to reach for the shields, and she even yells to Finn, "This is the ship isn't easy to fly without a co-pilot." You know, we see her struggling to maneuver the Falcon without a co-pilot. You know. And, and we see her struggle with it at first, you know? And even and even after they escape, after they leave Jakku, she tells Finn, there's a line in the movie, go back and watch the movie, put on your subtitles, if you really want to analyze it, there is a line in the movie where Ray says, I've flown some ships, but I've never left the planet. So she knows how to pilot a ship, she's just never... Never left Jakku, and she's never had a reason to leave Jakku. Because she's just always had this belief that someone was going to come and get her, you know? So, that whole, oh, how was Ray able to play her ship? You obviously aren't watching the movie. You obviously are not paying attention. If you want to sit here and tell me, oh, Ray's just a Mary Sue. No, no. You're, you're bullshit. Um, I love, <laughs> I love Kylo's temper tantrums. I think they're funny. Like I, I, I just love. Um. Oh yeah, no, the the droid escape, and he just starts destroying the wall. All of a sudden, he the lightsaber turns off. And he goes, anything else? <laughs> it's just so great. Um. 
then I love and I love Han and Chewie's introduction. I love seeing Han and Chewie walking around the Falcon, and then they and then when they meet Ray and Finn is is a, is a nice little moment, and <laughs> I like it when when uh, Finn's like, "You can understand that thing," and, and Han goes, "Yeah, and that thing can understand you too." Now get out. Um, great is it's a really great moment. Um, I will say though, this brings me to another issue, and that is um. The Rathars are the Rathars is the most the scene with the Rathars is the most pointless scene in the entire movie. It really is. Like it it seriously is the most pointless scene in the whole movie because you could literally it is a, a moment that you can just cut out. You wouldn't even know, you wouldn't even miss it. Like seriously, it's it is truly a pointless scene. Because I know and and you know I was having a discussion with my with a friend of mine about it because you know me and me and my uh, uh, my friend had had gotten into this discussion and and she had, and she had brought up something she goes you know I I don't mind it because she had mentioned that she doesn't mind the scene because she thinks it it's supposed to be there to show you what Han's been doing um, for the past few years and I said that's true. But you didn't need it for that either, because later on, when Han is talking to Leia, Han tells her, "I just went back to doing the things that I that I that I that I was good at. The only thing that was ever I was ever any good at." Did, and you didn't need a whole sequence to show us that, you know. Um. So that so that so that kind of that kind of bothers me a little bit. Um. Uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. I, what's he the Supreme Leader of? Like, what? What is he? What is he the Supreme Leader of? He doesn't. He doesn't control the government, though. <laughs> like, like I would get it if, if in Episode Eight, because in this film they destroy the Republic. I would get it in Episode Eight. Now that he, now that, now that the New Republic's destroyed, he's now the leader of this government, and now he has, he's he's got a chance to like really take control over the over the galaxy. But right now he's not the supreme leader of anything, guys. Like it's just like ah is this just another another it's just JJ Abrams being lazy with his with the writing. Anyway. Um and then uh we meet Maz Kanata and Maz Kanata She's not bad. Uh, she's not bad. She's she's just there. She she's just there. She has knowledge about the Jedi and the Force and stuff. <laughs> like seriously, she she she's just there to tell, uh, you know, to to tell um, Ray about. Oh, the force is strong with you, Ray. And then she's there to tell Finn, "Oh, you're just a man who wants to run." I'm just like, what purpose does she serve? And then in episode eight, they give her like the worst scene, and they give her like the absolute worst scene. I'm sorry. Look, I know, I know, I know. I'm not. This isn't a review for the Last Jedi, but I. It just it Maz can just talking about Maz Kanata in this movie brings back so many, so many bad memories with her in particular <laughs> with that character in particular um um i also feel like this movie does a really bad job of establishing these new worlds like we go we visit all these new worlds all these new planets we don't even learn the names of any of them other than jakku we don't learn the names of any of them You know, Maz Kanata's planet, they never once mentioned the name. The Starkiller base, the planet that Starkiller base is on, no mention of the name. It's like, it, there's like, <laughs> that, and and that's one of my biggest, and even the New Republic, all those planets that were blown up, not one of them did they tell us what the names of those planets were. It's like, it's like they they do they just didn't even even the prequels even the prequels did a better job of telling us what the names of each of those planets were. 
Like, like after after the prequels, I can tell you the names of of three planets from the prequels: Mustafar, Naboo, uh, Kamino. You know, I can tell you those those names just off the top of my head. You know, hell, want to want to name off another one? Kashik. You know, it's like it's like they did such a bad job. Such a bad job of giving us these establishing these new worlds. They wanted they so badly wanted to establish new planets and new worlds, yet they didn't tell us what any of these worlds were. Um so that was poorly done. Finn's backstory sounds cool, it sounds good. Um, too bad we don't explore it. Too bad we don't get it. Um Ray's vision, great, but when you really think about it, and when you really think about it as the entire trilogy, um, it goes nowhere. Like, Ray's vision literally goes nowhere. Like, when you really, really think about it. Um, like, like, and, and again, it goes back to my point that this movie relied way too much on capitalizing on nostalgia that it forgot to properly plan the story that they wanted to tell. It's like you can just tell with this first movie that there is no plan. That's why, that's why I always say, if you look at the sequel trilogy as three standalone adventure... It actually works better. If you look at the the Last Jedi as a standalone film, it 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 works as a standalone film. As a part of the overall saga, then it then it doesn't work as well, you know. Um, you know, we have another planet killing weapon. Starkiller Base is nothing more than another planet killing weapon. You know. And uh in and in case you guys and to quote Azula, in case you guys can't tell. Since since you guys can't see me, um, I'm rolling my eyes. Um, uh, <laughs> Maz has a line, and Ma- Maz Kanata has a line in this movie that makes me laugh because it's just like it. It's just it's just a it's just a basically a a a tr- <laughs> because it just it just translates into we have no idea how it happened, just accept it. When 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 Han asks her, "How did you get how did you get that lightsaber?" and then she just goes, "A good question for another time." Translation: We have no idea how Maz got Luke's saber. Just accept it. <laughs> That's essentially how it is. Um. Uh. I love love the whole the whole joke with Chewie's weapon. Um. Like when when Han when Han is shooting the stormtroopers, all of a sudden he looks at Chewie and goes. Can I can I try that? And he grabs Shuri's weapon. He shoots the stormtroopers, and he's like, "I really like this thing. <laughs> it's such a great moment." And um, and I love the fight between Finn and the stormtrooper. However, my only thing is that stormtrooper should have been Captain Phasma. We should have had. We should have been given in this movie at least one fight. Between Phasma and um, between Phasma and uh, and and Finn, um, because if you read the novelization of the Force Awakens, there's a lot of hints that Phasma really saw Finn as kind of like the best of the best. You know that he has potential. That she saw the potential in him. And if you had played on that idea, we could have gotten something really, really cool. We could have gotten a classic Star Wars rivalry between Finn and Phasma. You know, because even when we get into episode again, get into episode eight, it goes nowhere. That rivalry goes nowhere. Um so yeah. Uh then the resistance comes in. Yay, we get the resistance team. The CGI is great. I'll be I'll I'll give it that. The CGI is really awesome. Like it like you, you can't tell what what is and what isn't a VFX shot. Um let's see. Uh the idea 
I mean, the idea of Kylo Ren being the son of Han and Leia is is a, is great, and it's actually not too far off from the original Star Wars canon, because in of course in the Legends material, Han and Luke had uh, not Han and Luke. Wow, that would have been a very different relationship. Uh, <laughs> Han and Leia had um, two kids. And I think Luke had one, but, um, but, but, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's, I mean, the fact, the idea of them, uh, giving, uh, Han and Leia a kid is actually not, not that far off in the original Legends material. Um, uh, let's see. Um, why does C-3PO have a red arm? Oh, wait, never mind. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Okay. 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 Well, 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 we'll just move on then. Um, uh, and then we get to see the rebellion base. Oh shit! I mean, sorry, the resistance base. Um, and uh, yeah, Kylo and Ray's inter- interaction is great. I love, I love when Ray starts fighting back, and she's like, she's like, "You'll never be as strong as Darth Vader." And all of a sudden, he, and all of a sudden, he goes to Supreme Leader Snow. He's like, "She's strong with the Force." untrained but stronger than she knows um and if you have and if you go and watch the rise of skywalker you know you you, you know why um i won't get into that right now because you know the, the the explanation for why she's so powerful is really fucking stupid <laughs> it's really fucking stupid um okay uh and then we go back to the rebellion i'm oh, sorry God, I keep forgetting the resistance base. They're just so similar. Um, I like how <laughs> it's funny. They have their pre-battle meeting, and remember when we were talking about Rogue One, and they had their pre-battle meeting. And their pre-battle meeting, you had that one guy who yelled in the background, "What is she proposing?" You know, but you but you had legitimate like it felt like a real a real situation, you know, this one just felt like a bunch of elementary schoolers. It just felt like a uh, elementary school soccer team huddle. You know, it's like, it's like, okay guys, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. Okay. On three, one, two, three resistance. And then they go run and put on their little uniforms and then they're going to go off and, and, and battle the resistance. That's what it, (laughs) that's, that's what it feels like. Tell me, tell me you do not think, of an out of a of a of a little of a little kid of a of a little league's soccer team, <laughs> of a little league soccer team, when when you hear when you watch that pre-battle meeting, you know, and then even like the most obvious the most obvious eye winking to the, it's it's basically J.J. Abrams yelling to the audience, look how lazy we are when um when you hear someone go, so it's another Death Star, oh please. JJ, we all know you're being lazy with this story, but did you really have to tell the audience how lazy you're being with your story? I mean, come on. Come on. Oh, my gosh. And then, but I do like, this is the interaction I was talking about between John Boyega and um, Han Solo, where, where Finn is like, I don't know how to turn off the shields. I'm just here to get Ray. And he's like, People are counting on us. The galaxy is counting on us. And he's like, Solo, we'll figure it out. We'll use the Force. That's not how the Force works. And and even, <laughs> and I like Chewie's. I like it when Chewie starts complaining. He's like, oh, really? You're cold? <laughs> it's, a great, it's such a great little react. It's such a great back and forth. Um... And, you know, it's nice to see that Captain Phasma is, you know, completely useless. You know, you know, look, hey, put down the shields or, we're sh- or, or we'll shoot you. You're making a big mistake. Do it. Okay. Do, 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 do. You know, <laughs> and, and, and then, and then let's go ahead and let's throw her in the trash compactor and not even show it. Like, it's just, it's just, oh, it's just. All out of all the things you could have done in this movie, you could have given us a really great fight between Finn and Phasma. You could have given us a really cool, you know, back and forth and all this stuff. Nope, we're just gonna throw her in the trash compactor. We'll see you in episode eight, even though you're not gonna do shit in episode eight either. So, um, 
<laughs> uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, the <laughs> the X-Wing and TIE Fighter battle on Starkiller Base is also pretty lame. Like, I'm not gonna lie. A lot of the ships, the ship battles in this movie are just so, so lame. You know, and then it it's nice that Rogue One came out after this and we got a really great space battle with Rogue One because... My gosh, the the battles between all between the X wings and the Tie Fighters. I just like I. It, it's one of those moments in the movie where I actually skip through. Like if I'm watching, if I ever find myself watching the movie, I'll actually skip through the the ship battles because they are just so boring. And uh, let's see, I I love the death of Han Solo is great. Um, I love Chewie's reaction to it. I didn't love the way Leia reacted because it feels slightly out of character for her. Because um, how do I say this? Um, this is Han. I, you you spent three movies in the original trilogy establishing oh, you know, there's a strong bond between Leia and Han. And you mean to tell me Le- Leia just doesn't have a single like you you would think that she would fall down on her knees, scream, and all that stuff, but nope, <laughs> nope, nope. I'm sorry. This is, sorry, this isn't George Lucas writing Star Wars. This is J.J. Abrams writing lazy-ass Star Wars material. This isn't John Favreau-level Star Wars material or Tony Gilroy-level Star Wars material. This is J.J. Abrams' lazy Star Wars material. I forgot about that. Um, Kylo versus Finn and Rey is great. I love the fact that Kylo Ren is not uh, a 100% in this fight. Um, I love the fact that because he took that shot from Chewie that for all we know, he was dying during this fight. So it does make sense that Finn and Ray were able to kind of take him out. Um, at least for me, it does. But then we get into one of the most horrible moments of the entire movie. The one moment that makes me roll my eyes every single time I see it. Why in the fuck does R2 have the rest of the map that 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 leads everyone to Luke Skywalker? Why in the fuck does R2 have that have the rest of that map? Talk about the most talk about lazy writing. That is lazy fucking writing right there. You know, oh, this map that BBA's holding is partially complete, and we have no idea where where the rest of the map is. Even though Kylo Ren tells Rey, "Hey, by the way, we have the re- we have the rest of the map. We have the rest of it. We just need the last piece." And then all of a sudden, and and you mean to tell me there's not a single mission to go and retrieve the rest of that map? You don't mean to tell me that Rey doesn't tell him, "Oh, by the way, they have the rest of the maps of Luke Skywalker." We should probably go get it because it could really help the resistance. Okay, let's go get it. Let's go get it before the planet blows up. Why does R2 have the rest of it? And why in the hell, why in the hell, if R2 is going to have the rest of it, why in the hell does he just go, oh, you know what? I don't think Luke would want me to give the rest of the map. I'll just shut down for a while. And why? And then also, even if that's the case, why does he wake up after all this shit went down? It's like, this is just lazy writing. It's just lazy. Anyway. Um, oh, and by the way, Finn totally got friends on. I know a lot of people wanted uh, Finn and Ray to get together and Finn and Ray to, you know, you know, make out and have kids and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know. A kiss on the for you know, a kiss on the forehead means friend zone. That's that's so that is to that's that's that is uh, friend zone material right there, guys. Um, and then the final scene with Ray holding out the saber to Luke is a beautiful moment. Too bad many Star Wars fans hate what comes after that. Um, even though I personally love what comes after after that. Um. But uh yeah, that is Star Wars 
that is my breakdown of Star Wars The Force Awakens. So overall, guys, uh, The Force Awakens is is an it, it, The Force Awakens is an entertaining movie. And is it a good start to a new chapter of the Skywalker saga? I would I would say yes. I would say yes. However, it relies on way too much nostalgia that hurts the overall enjoyment of the film. But as a film, it is very well done. As a Star Wars film, it does fall a little bit short. And unfortunately, the film only gets worse depending on how you feel about the next two films. Now, I happen to love, I mean, spoiler alert for the next review, I happen to love Episode Eight, But Episode Nine is a whole other story. So we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll we'll have to just uh, wait until episode nine to get in. We'll have to wait till uh, next week to continue my thoughts on this sequel trilogy. Um, but uh, but guys, that will do it for this week's episode of Throwback Thursday. Thank you so much for listening again, guys. I'm gonna put a question uh, for for all of you Spotify listeners out there. I'm gonna be putting a question below. Asking you, what do you think of Star Wars The Force Awakens? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Are you in the middle? I'm going to have a... I don't, you know what? I'm going to put a poll down below, and you guys can vote on that poll. Do you like The Force Awakens? Do you hate The Force Awakens? Or do you, fi- or do you find yourself in, in between? Let me know what you guys think of Star Wars The Force Awakens. And please, 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 if you want to get into a debate with me on Star Wars The Force Awakens, please be civil about it. Please don't be a jerk. Don't start saying, oh, you're an idiot for liking Star Wars. Don't be a jerk, okay? Don't be a jerk. Let's have civil conversations about Star Wars The Force Awakens, all right? Let's let's just do that because there's enough negativity out there, and I think it's time for the negativity to stop. It's time for it to stop. Anyway, guys, y'all know what to do. Go ahead. Subscribe to that Zeke Said So Pictures YouTube channel. Subscribe to the Zeke Said So Pictures YouTube channel. There's, there's a bunch of really great stuff on there, including my Oscar predictions and reaction to the Oscars. Um, there's also going to be a lot of great out of the – there's some out of the theater reactions. In fact, tomorrow, tomorrow night, I am going to be uploading my out of the theater reaction to Shazam Theory of the Gods. It will – it is a – Shazam! Fury of the Gods comes out tomorrow. I'll be seeing it at 3 o'clock, which means hopefully by, uh, I'll say by 7 or 8 o'clock, you should be able to see my review for Shazam! Fury of the Gods. But that will do it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this podcast, please be sure you share it and subscribe. I think I should subscribe to the podcast because Zig the Geek said so. And I will talk to you guys later. Peace out.
to the future. Flooding tunnels over that ridge. We'll get in that way. What was your job when you were based here? Sanitation. Sanitation? Then how do you know how to disable the shields? I don't. I'm just here to get Ray. People are counting on us. The galaxy is counting on us. Solo, we'll figure it out. We'll use the force. That's not how the force works. Oh, really? You're cold? Come on.